Tom Panos, John McGrath, and I'm feeling the pressure, Johnny, back to the Million Dollar Agent, because I just remembered a few weeks ago, this man has told us he wants one million podcast downloads by, is it the 31st of December or, sept- or, or, or September, Troy? 2016. So, no, December, end of this year. <laughs> you said end of the year. End of this year, Okay, of this man here wants one well, we've million. Got, what have we got, 300? Halfway, we're almost got 400? Well, I got to bump it up. I got to bump it up. Before it's already halfway, <laughs> Dude, mate, you do you do good in the corporate world, Troy. Corporate world is always it, corporate world is basically a total vendor management experience. All it you're is. doing is managing people above. Hey, listen, if we get one download, we should be celebrating and you know pumping the champagne. But we've got a million downloads. We've got a a, a big job to do. But I know, John, that uh, we've got some great stuff coming up, and Eric's going to uh, have. Uh, a little bit about Million Dollar Agent. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna uh, we, we're doing a session on the Monday morning at Eric, so that'll be good. So we'll do a live version. Live version. So those of you that want to come and meet Troy, come along Monday morning. Troy, big ticket item there. Mate, well, Troy, is the, John, is the only, the only time he's going to put us to shame is live on a live <laughs> presentation. <laughs> For the rest of the 51 weeks of the year, we've got him. <laughs> okay, John, we're going to move on to question and answers. Our listeners love these because they're real. It's not yeah. trainers. It's not, you know, yeah. CEOs or publishers coming up with that. This is crowdsourced. These are people yeah. that are sending in questions. And I like the fact they're very honest. Like, yeah, you can hear some of the pain through some of the questions, which is good because when you're sick of being sick and you're ready to fix yourself up, yeah. you've got to go to someone. Now, whether it's through this forum or hiring a coach or going to your principal or just doing some soul searching, you know, you need to fix yourself. So I think the Q&A hopefully is a, is a real, authentic dig into people's uh, pain points yeah. and we can help them. So yeah, we're honest and they're honest and if you send in one and it's, it's obviously a bit sensitive, obviously we'll never say names or you don't have to even put your name on it, just... Yeah, text through and tell us what it is. But Jonathan, it takes courage. The fact that they send it in, we know who they are, and they say, put it in private. There's a person that's basically saying, listen, I want to get better. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about having every person that listens to the show know who I am, but deep down, I want to absolutely get better. And I give credit to those people because they're they're the ones that I think are the most, even though they're anonymous, I think they're they're the most authentic because these people here have got a real concern about an issue Mm. and they're sick and tired of being right. They want to be better. They'd rather be uh, better than right and Mm. they're Mm. open for vulnerability. And uh, the the first one we're going to get, um, she's actually put it on public, Amy Dobson. So she's happy to be mentioned. And this is a great question. Where's Amy from? Um, I don't have her location, but I can tell you she talks for about every agent in Australia because I reckon the thing that keeps people up at night yep. is more listings. This is How so, do I get more listings? How right? do I get more listings? Amy Dobson, uh, what, are the, uh, what are the top prospecting ideas for new agents? What are the... Uh, top prospecting ideas for new agents and uh, one of the things that comes to my mind John as I think about this is that a new agent is using more a chase model than an attraction model in the early stages they don't have the luxury of having built raving fans over a long period of time they've got to go off and do more chase work and more push work I think as time goes by and I think one of the challenges is that when you get a young agent that may join McGrath's and they look at someone like uh, Ben Collier or they look at 
uh, one of your, you know, Peter Chiminello, and they turn around and they say, but look at how he's doing business. What they haven't seen is that every winner was once a beginner. So this question is about beginning. You're a new agent. How do you actually start getting listings coming in? What are the best prospecting? What are the thoughts that come to your head, John? Well, yeah, it's funny. I I, want to debunk a bit this thing about prospecting because I think for a start, whenever people hear the word, they get you know, weak at the knees. Most people hate the concept of prospecting. I think you've got to reposition it. I mean, f- for me it's about, firstly is, and this is going to sound a little bit, you know, sort of high level, but it, it's who you are. Are you the sort of person that attracts and deserves to attract lots of business? So are you out there focused on trying to help lots of people resolve their problems, or are you chasing your first or next commission check? So I think you've got to have a mindset of abundance, even when you don't have an abundance of listings. You need to see that our role is not to get a listing or sell a property. It's actually to help people. And uh, I think that's really important. So your mindset on where you start is, is really critical. Then, you know, Tom, I, you know, I wrote the book called You Inc. many years ago, and then I refer to it a lot, which is how do you act in your community and how you act, by the way, whether you like it or not, it's being noticed by everyone. Real estate's a very public industry. And whether you're at an open for inspection, whether you're showing a home, whether you're at a community event, you're on show in this industry. And most people sort of don't know others in their community unless it's their close circle of friends. But almost everyone knows the real estate agents because it's a public thing. We're helping build communities. If we're doing it right, we're actually building communities, not just selling houses. So I think, you know, who you are and how you are is really, really critical. And I would say, for me, that's at least 50% of your success. Before we start... So the first thing I would say to Amy and anyone else listening is do an honest personal audit checkup. How are you really in your marketplace? Because the marketplace votes with its feet and its checkbook. And if it sees you as being an expert, focused, energetic, providing great value, giving great service, helping lots of people, it's going to vote and give you their listings. Mm. So that'd be the first thing. So then when we get down, what are some of the specifics? Well, I always say to an agent, when did you start? Monday, right. What are you opening next Saturday? And they say, what do you mean? I said, what are you opening next Saturday? Well, I haven't even got a listing yet. Yeah, but there are other listings in your office that someone else has got that they can't or, or aren't in a position to open. Why don't you open them up? Because the best way for you to start building a database of qualified people is doing open for inspections. So, you know, stick an ad in the local paper, stick an ad on realestate.com, put an inspection time on your own website, whatever you need to do, but get properties open because, you know, as I, I mentioned in last week's, um, podcast was talking about one of our agents that had 60 groups through. Well, out of 60 groups, I'll guarantee you there's 10 that are about to sell. Um, probably higher, probably 25%, maybe 15 So, you know, the value of getting out in the community, putting your A-frame board out, your flag out, arriving spick and span on a Saturday morning and giving people amazing service in their marketplace cannot be underestimated. So that'd be key. The other thing is just general buyer servicing. I mean, open house inspections are a specific type of servicing, but Buyers do not, in this day and age, in our country, by our industry, in the main, get great service. Yeah. So I would latch on to 10 buyers. It could be in the database. It could be handled by the person that you replaced. Who knows? If you're serious, you'll find 10 or 12 serious buyers in the market. Just give them amazing service. Offer to pop into their office, have a coffee. I just want to get a brief from you, Tom. What have you looked at? Any reason you didn't buy that one that you loved? Um, what is your budget? Do you have your finance organised yet? Um, when are you free to me take you out? You've got to get close to buyers because buyers talk to sellers. Buyers become sellers. 
many buyers have a home to sell once they're bought. Mm. So for all these reasons, you've just got to give great buyer servicing. So there are a few ones. John, you built um, your career in your early stages on the basis of providing amazing service yeah. to buyers. I clearly remember that you said that you had no one else to work with yeah. and you had to do something. They were easy people that you were coming across. I had to. I was up against people like Di Jones, who was a brilliant agent and experienced and had all the listings. So, And I was a new kid on the block, 20 years of age, so there was no way in the world, day one, I was going to step up there to the plate and beat her for listings. So I just thought, well, what I can do is look after buyers because they all used to complain to me that no one helped them and no one looked after them, no one followed them through. So I just thought, well, that's kind of the road I'm going to have to take. And I took it and then I just found that they referred me on to friends that were about to sell. You know, they, they had to sell their own property, a whole range of reasons. So I think that's, that's really, really critical. So I'd be opening everything for inspectors. Firstly, I'd be on my game, check on my game. Um, then I'd be providing great service. Then I'll be doing great open for inspections. Then I'll be serving lots and lots of buyers. And I loved, I think it was last week you spoke about Marcus Cimello has 12 people that he focuses on. And I love that because it's like a really manageable small number. And I think it was around connectors or centres of influence. So even if you're new in the game, I would find someone else. So what would I do? I might look for a local accountant starting up their business, a local solicitor starting up their business. Ring them up and say, hey, I've just heard you've just opened your practice a few months ago. I'm just new in the industry. Not sure what connections or relations you've got in the real estate industry, but I'd love to meet you. Mm. I'm sure some of your clients will need help finding a property or selling a property. I'm sure a lot of my clients will need some advice around legal or accounting. Could I come and just have a quick coffee with you and just drop by your office? So if you can establish half a dozen, or in Marcus's case, a dozen, strong centres of influence in your community, that's gold too. Yeah. So I'd be doing that. John, I think anyone... Um, that uh, missed all of that, replay it again because that was absolute gold. And I would say go off and execute, buy yourself an exercise book, call it buyers. I'd segment it, buyers that own property so you could keep your laser focus. Mm-hmm. Every person that you see that's a buyer that owns a property goes into this book and what you do is you make sure that every minute that goes by that you don't uh, ring that person is another minute someone's going to give these people amazing service because yeah. I actually think what you're doing is doing a listing presentation. Yeah. You're doing a listing pre- your listing presentation is going to begin six months before everyone else is with these people. True. And Tom, the other thing, I, I, a lot of people say to me, well, I, you know, I've got no past clients because I've just started in the industry and I said, yeah, but what did you do before? I was, used to work at News Limited, right? Well, you know lots of people. Have you rung them all and said, hey, I just wanted to share the exciting news. I'm getting into real estate. I'm going to be working the inner, inner west market of Sydney. If you know of anyone that needs some advice, guidance, or help to find a property to buy or obviously sell, I'd love the opportunity to get an introduction from you because I'm really dedicated to giving them great service. Just that raw passion and enthusiasm. Yeah. So even if you're new to real estate, you're not new to life. Correct. You know, you're not, you're not one year of age. You're probably 25 or 35 or 45. So you've had 10 or 20 years of connections and experience. So I, I think I, it's, it's yeah. so important. Johnny, you, you've nailed that. I think that's an important core issue. And I want to talk... I think that some agents have got a, a self-limiting belief. I'm new. I don't want to let people know I'm new. And they play that in their head so they actually don't contact people because they're paranoid that these people are going to find out that they're new so they don't really have much to say. Whereas another person that's got a different set of beliefs is, 
I'm new. I'll do things differently. I've got more energy. I reckon I can outwork the competition. Yeah. Um, let's start talking with people I've already got a relationship with. Nine um, percent of the competition, Tom, doesn't ring buyers back. It's it's an ugly statistic. Uh, you'll never see it on CoreLogic's database because it's just one that anecdotally you and I know from being yeah. in the industry. We speak to people and they say, I've been to 100 opens, no one rings me back. I've spoken to buyers, I give people a brief. Three weeks later, I see a home that fits exactly my brief with their name at the bottom of the ad in the local paper. And I'm thinking, why do these people, do they not want my money? Do they not want to serve me? So if you just get into the industry and provide amazing service, within five minutes, you're going to become legendary just by following people through. So hopefully for uh, Amy, I think it was. Amy. So John, uh, I've just had a look because I looked at where that question came from. Amy is from Auckland, Mike Perrow, which I know that oh, we're yeah, both speaking. Oh, we, yeah, we've spoken to them. Well, we're both speaking this year at the National Conference. He's a, quite a dynamic guy, yeah, Mike Perrow. Yeah, uh, John, interesting guy. Like, I got off at uh, New Zealand last year and I said, I'm speaking at Mike Perrow. They said, oh, he owns an airline. Uh, he owns a bank. This guy does everything. <laughs> I could work it out. Oh, he's so, dynamic. He's, yeah, that was the first time I met him. In fact, I think you very kindly referred me on to him and connected us up and uh, and I enjoyed speaking so maybe we both met Amy last year but really good little company in New Zealand yeah so that's that's Penny from um, Mike Perro Group Amy I sorry Amy Amy Dobson from the Mike Perro Group so uh, let's move on to our next question this one comes from Carl Quested in Brisbane when growing a company how do you maintain quality in service? So what we're talking about is all of a sudden you get busy, do you actually drop what you did that got you busy in the first place? As a principal or an agent or both, I guess? Well, I'd say as both. He hasn't specified here, but we're talking about a salesperson particularly, maybe that grows the amount of listings. Yeah, How do you yeah. keep providing great service? That is so critical because you can slide back down the banister as quickly as you came up. And I remember years ago, people said, you know, it takes you 10 years to build a great reputation amongst a community and it takes you five minutes to lose one, which is kind of true in some parts. I don't think it takes 10 years, but, you know, you can lose one quickly. So, look, I think that... I think what you need to do is you need to build systems that allow you to scale your business. Um, and I think you need to have a, a model of doing business. So I'll just give you a bit of an idea, Tom, about my model of doing business. Is I was committed to what I used to refer to as clean business. Um, so clean business was an exclusive listing for a start. I didn't take on open listings because I felt if someone wasn't prepared to give me the commitment and to have me as their source of advice, um, and because I, I was going to put a hell of a lot of effort into every listing that I had, I didn't want to put all that effort in and then find out that they're getting conversations from all different people, many of which were kind of just trying to cruel a sale rather than give people the right advice. So it had to be exclusive. Um, In the main, not every single one, but in the main, they had to be prepared to market it and market it strongly and pay the marketing up front. I didn't want to be a debt collector. I didn't want to be chasing marketing money. I didn't want to have tension a month down the track trying to get funds out of people. So if, if it wasn't exclusive, and it wasn't the right fee with the right marketing. Again, I wasn't interested in discount vendors. Now, sure, if it was a $10 million property and there was some sort of a sliding scale or something, I was, I was prepared to discuss something. But generally speaking, I just found that if I created a model and stuck to it, that allowed me to scale. The other thing is I used to do an enormous amount of open for inspections. I found that a very effective way of getting most of the interested buyers through my properties. So there were certain you know, boxes that I liked to have ticked as I grew. And you know, I grew up and I was doing double digit per month way back before there was mobile phones or anything. I was doing 12, 14 sales a month. 
because I had a very um, strict way of doing business, and that didn't just work for me, it actually worked for them as well. So, you know, part of mine was my ideal week. Rang every vendor between 8 and 9 or 8 and 10 in the morning, depending on how many vendors I had, and that gave them the update. So every day I knew by 9 o'clock, 9.30 in the morning, every vendor had heard from me. So that was like a scalable system. Uh, I knew that every vendor had paid for their marketing, so I wasn't debt collecting. Uh, I knew that I had my open for inspections booked for the next six weeks. Times in, same time every week for the next four to six weeks were all locked in. Auction was also a very you know, good part of my system and my selling. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not really heading off on a tangent, but just to, to let them know that you need to have a system that can scale. As opposed to, Tom, you and I see a lot of people out there in the industry, they're running around chasing this, this is a tender, this is an open for inspection, this one's open listing, um, a whole range of different things, and, and it's actually not systematic. So nowadays, I'd be saying, you know, we really need to market this property strong to position it. We need a price guide. We need a floor plan. We need to have a strong digital presence. Uh, I'd like to open it for inspection next Saturday afternoon. I'd give them a whole range of things that, that, are, that really they need to do to get their property sold. So um, I think you need to have a system out there, really, and I not many agents do. John, to Carl, um, what I would say is that in the early stages, energy gets you through, but if you want a sustainable long-term model, you want to get the process of McDonald's, the energy of Virgin, and the simplicity of Apple, and package it together in your authentic personality. Yes. Because when you're holding 10, 15 listings a month, um, remembering that you should call people back every day is not enough. You've got to schedule it, because what gets scheduled gets done. And you've come up with that great term, which I've plagiarised and repeatedly used, that routine will set you free. Yeah. You need it more than ever when you're growing your business. Yeah. In the early stages, John, you're not going to have a busy diary, because you've got no one to service. You're just going to work, work, work really hard. But as time goes by, you need to do what McDonald's do. And that is the, the, the reason they can actually serve 100 people in 30 minutes it's not that they've got the brightest people on the planet. I'm not saying that they're not bright. I'm saying that they're actually working to a process. Systemise, yeah. yeah. And that, that's where the quality thing comes in, that, which I think was, excuse me, Carl's original question. It's around how do you maintain the quality as you scale? Well, you have a system for it. You have a great set of suppliers. So the people around your business, whether they're um, you know, local, paper pe- local paper people, digital experts, um, stylists, photographers, floor plan artists, you need the best people around you because you need the best tools. So I think that's really critical is to build this great team around you of, of expert advisors. Um, and, and then I think you said the word Apple simplicity, just keep it simple. Mm. Don't complicate it. Mm. You know, daily phone call, manage your expectations. And the other thing, of course, is just to keep telling the truth which a lot of agents still don't do. You've just got to be honest with people about... Because I'd rather miss the listing now and maybe get it second time around than over-promise to try and compete with an agent that's, that's, that's lying and a vendor that doesn't want to be realistic to start with because mm. that's not going to sell probably. And I'd rather have... Instead of having 12 listings, I'd rather have eight exclusive listings where I've been totally upfront with them and, and, and their expectations are probably pretty much in line with the market. That's how I keep quality going forward. Beautiful. John, one final quick question that we're going to cover is from David uh, Monfries. If you only had $1,500 to spend on self-promotion, where would you spend it? It's a good question. I think it's a question that a lot of people know the importance of having brand 
and um, brand is what people say about you when you're not there. Now you can get brand from a number of ways. Providing good service is branding. Um, your marketing is branding. But if, well, if you wanted to do agent paid advertising, not vendor paid advertising, he's talking about taking his money and not promoting a property, what could he actually do? There's a plethora of choices there, isn't there, John? Well, there is. I guess the $1,500, well, the $1,500 is a lot of money, but the first thing I'd say is I think self-promotional or self-marketing um, should have, a, again, a systematic approach, mm. and it shouldn't be a one-off hit. And a lot of people say, I'll oh, just do a letterbox drop in your community. Well, maybe that's okay, but maybe it's the week that your community's asleep and you don't get any. So, you know, to be honest, Tom, first, the first 500, I'd take it and I would take a number of people. I'd take probably uh, 25 people out for a sandwich and a coffee that are connectors and influencers in your market, could be past clients. Yeah. So I'd take a slightly different approach. Yeah. Because I'm a great believer this is about people. If you can connect with people, you can listen to them, you can understand them, you can shake their hand and look in their eyes and say to them, look, I'd love the opportunity to serve you. That's, that's a really great way of doing it. So I, I would do that. Um, look, I think when it comes to some of the traditional marketing stuff, and you and I talk about this all the time on stage and off stage, that you know, both digital and local press are both vital. That's, people are looking in both. And I actually saw, I don't know if I flicked it to you, but I saw an email was sent to me the other day and it was just saying that you know the, the power of being both online and offline at the same time is still a really vital thing. Yeah. So there's no doubt you could look at you know doing some local promotional um, promotional marketing, but I would do that after I'd had the ten or twenty catch up coffees sandwich, and it doesn't have to be flash. You don't need to take them to a you know hundred dollar a head restaurant. I, I always say to my clients, Tom, you know any chance I could take you for coffee and buy you a sandwich. Two reasons. One is either that doesn't sound like it's a long, boozy lunch thing, which is not my style anyway. And, and you want people to see you as someone that's a bit frugal and realistic, not, oh, let me take you to the fanciest restaurant in town. Occasionally, going to a nice restaurant is, is beautiful, but I just say to someone, let's go for a sandwich, let me take you for a bowl of pasta and a coffee. I just really want to talk to you about what's happening in your business and just see, is there anything we can do together? So I think, you know, in relation to that question, I'd be a little bit more creative. And then the rest of it, you know, digital's great, local paper's great, letterboxes are great, but they're not, for me, as, as impactful in the first instance as just some really good meetings. John, uh, Alex uh, Waters, who's uh, won our Arik speaker yeah, yeah. competition. Can't wait. Um, I just got thinking as you were speaking there, I'll tell you what he does for $1,200. For $100 a month, he has a video person that rocks up to his office that does a five-minute video. He pulls up the core logic RP data stats, yeah. higher sale, lower sale, medium price, number of sales in the area, average days on market, auction clearance rate, um, the leasing rate, uh, vacancy rate, how many properties up for rent. Right. And what he does is he provides that as a three-minute video, sends it out to all his database, right. and he says to me, John, that as soon as that email goes out, the next day, he has calls coming in because people start associating him as the trusted advisor. Even though he hasn't done all the transactions himself, he's the curator of the information. He's becoming a bit like Google in yeah. his marketplace. And Tom, people love video. I mean, as you and I and Troy know, that you know, as people send you stuff and it's like two pages long or it's an attachment, 80% of the time we're all pretty busy. Correct. And you delete, delete, delete. Even stuff you know that looks yeah. like it might be semi-interesting if you're not sure. Someone sends you a link to a video that's there, and they say, what's this three-minute video to understand what's happening in your market? 
pretty good chance you're going to watch that video. I'm cu- John, I'm curious. You know, when, if you're watch, reading something on, a, on an iPad and there's the text version and then there's the video, have you as a tendency, do you watch... Do you... 100% video. Video. 100% video. Right. Uh, in fact, I, I would do as many searches on um, YouTube as I do on Google because I'd much rather see what does Tony Robbins say about this, you know, what does you know, someone else that's an expert in their field, what does James Altucher say about this, than go on and have to read pages of PDFs and so forth. So, yeah, I love the, uh, I love the audio and I love the thing. So I think what Alex is doing is very smart. It's positioning himself, not only giving good information, but as a sort of a tech-savvy kind of guy by doing that. So I think it's One a great One thing idea. I will say, John, is um, a bad video is worse than no video, but because you can actually produce a bad video. And I think yeah. um, we've seen those in real estate where the way the agent presents, they're, they're not natural, they need some training in there, or the quality of the videographer is poor. Um, yeah, it's, look, it's, look I, th- I think I do agree with you, although I know we've seen some iconic people on YouTube that have built huge businesses out of being very authentic about things like how do you put up makeup and how do you dress yourself properly and so forth. I think people are okay with authentic, mm. but you're right, it, it shouldn't be goofy or um, off-putting. But I think if you're there, look, I wouldn't be taken with my mobile phone type of stuff, mm. but I think if you've got the ability to have in your office with a nice environment, just talk for two or three minutes on what's happening in your market, I think people cut you a bit of slack. What do you think, Troy? I mean, this is... Yeah, I agree. Um... One tip to everyone, they say that video now engages within the first eight seconds. People will either continue to watch or they'll go to the next video. It's never been easier to do that. So it's fun, yeah, first impre- it's like first impressions in real life, isn't it? You, you've got to go fast. So there's no doubt you want to make sure you open with a bang and you give them something interesting up front. I've got to say, Troy, um, and Susan that looks after my work, said to me the other day, she said, in these four and a half years that you've been doing, you know, I do my seven, uh, my, my videos every week, seven-figure attraction agent videos. The, do you remember the McGrath video that we did uh, at your office three years ago? Yep. Highest, uh, highest number of views of um, any video. So I actually just went in there and typed um, John McGrath, and it came up like third search up there. Is that on your website? It's, it's, on, it's on Google. It's on my website as well. Okay. So, it, uh, I've, John, I've, I've, got to te- I've got to tell you, the, uh, the three, and, and to all our listeners... Uh, this is free. Um, we did a three-series video, and I have—I would probably say 500 comments, replies, emails, SMSs, where people have said how you did not charge for that, how much value we got out of it, where we basically took every real estate topic, yeah. and um, they go for 25 minutes. So it's on my website, tompanos.com.au. Um, yeah, that won't cost you $1,500 either. You could go, you could go in there and um, watch well, that. That's part of, yeah, part of our values. You and my, I, I think, agree on this one. It's like pay it forward. You know, we're very fortunate what we do and how we do it and where we do it and the people we do it with. It's, it's fantastic. So paying it forward. I wanted to show you a little thing about raving fans. Um, as you know, I'm a great, passionate Rabbitohs fan. And one of our young, young up-and-coming stars, a guy called Luke Keary, who... I'm sure will play for Australia before long. He's he's an incredible player, and he's looking for a property. Anyway, without going into the detail, but you know he's looking for a property. He wants to buy something, and so he's been tic tacking in the office. And my mobile phone, if I don't answer it, goes through to Jacqueline. And um, he, he, I got through to him the other day, and we we're just talking. And then I said, "Okay, we'll we'll talk a bit later. I'll follow that up for you." And he said, "Oh, before you go," I said, "Yep." And he said, "Your assistant's Jacqueline, isn't it?" I said, "Yep." 
And he said, can I tell you, she is the nicest person I've ever spoken to in my life on the phone. Serious, serious comment. No exaggeration. That's raving fans. Yeah. Now, I don't know what Jacqueline has said to Luke, but she's, I'm sure, because she, I get that sort of wording from a lot of people around Jacqueline. Um, and I rang her up and I said, Jack, you need to hear this. Luke here, he's just rang me. He said, you are the nut. And she was almost in tears. She was just ecstatic and, and you know, very sort of, uh, very delighted to hear that. But that's what raving fans is about. You want people to finish a phone call with you and say, wow, that was one of the smartest, most helpful, most pleasant people. And how many people do it? Not enough. Yeah. So every phone call, because I know a lot of these Q&As, we talk about prospecting and, and you know, building your business. That's how you do it. One phone call at a time, um, one meeting at a time. you just got to give people a great service experience. So though I just want to do, well, I mean, Jacqueline deserves a kudos. So I don't think she's a subscriber, but I'm sure someone in the office might well, tell her. Yeah, we'll, we'll let, it, let her know. And Jacqueline, if you are listening, I've got to say, you'd be in the top five that I, I would say. I, I mean, Luke, Luke obviously rates you extremely high, and congratulations. Keep up the great work. And, John, um, we'll finish on this uh, uh, comic uh, tone when I had one of my friends said to me, how do you think the Tigers are going to go this year? Only because you brought up about the Rabbitohs. I said, look, I hope they make the top eight. I said, they've got a new coach there. I hope they make up the top eight. And I said, if they don't make the top eight, I hope they smash the Rabbits at least once. Because <laughs> I, said, I said, it'll be a good year if one of the two happens. <laughs> All righty. On that note... <laughs> We'll talk All to you right. next week. See you, John. See you, Troy. See you, guys. Bye.